as kind of time went on, we really sort of saw the, uh, I guess you could say the value, right? And the joy of it, of being able to have multiple really loving relationships and being able to, I guess, in a way, you know, both have us as primary partners, but also have other partners where we could explore different areas of, uh, of our lives and, and love and, and love in different ways. And, and that's kind of the coolest thing that's come out of all this is that we realize that we can love people differently and have a different kind of love with other people and it all be okay. And it all be welcome and accepted. And that kind of lets us grow in different ways too, right? That lets us to continue to grow too. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from all over the world to hear their personal journeys of self-discovery through the lenses of love, sex, and relationships. Our mission is to show people that they're not alone and to inspire them to embrace their true selves so that together we can open minds and live authentically without shame. We believe everyone's story is powerful and beautiful, yet it's important to remember that everyone does life a little bit differently and that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we aren't doctors. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Well, welcome to episode 318. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with Sarah and George, part two. Part two. However, however, if you went looking for Sarah and George in the history of our podcast, you did not find them. <laughs> nope. They came on on episode 169 back in February 2021 as Alice and Sam. So we'll talk about in the beginning of the interview why this name change. So stay tuned for that. But we wanted to let you know this up front so you could go back and listen if you want to. It's Encouraged, but not required. Like, listen to this one, listen to them in any order, any order, whatever you want. Yeah, this conversation is is really amazing. They they do take what what sort of their dynamic was when we talked to them back in in 2021, and they they talk about the changes that they've made. But it's it is really beautiful to hear the intentionality that these two have, how much work they do on themselves, on their relationship. And I think the the part for me that has that kind of stuck out, I wrote a note here just about like the difference between like talking a big game and living a big game. Yeah. And that's not that they go and do wild and crazy things, which they do some of that, but a lot of it is relationally making really hard decisions and saying, this isn't going to be easy, but we believe it's the best thing for us and our partnership. And so you know, we're going to give it a try, even if it's not 100%, where we we feel confident in our foundation to build uh, build a life together on top of. And so I just, I love that. And I I think that's a really powerful theme. Yes, I agree. And the other piece that is really, well, so much of this conversation is powerful, but the other piece I wanted to mention was about, they talk a lot about the power and role of Burning Man and what that is, what that role is in their lives and the power of community. Uh, I love that part of the conversation too. Yeah, without a doubt. And so the good news is, Sarah and George are actually pretty active on Instagram, and they love to invite and build community around their sort of their Instagram and their their lives. And this is a thread that they talked about a lot more on the first episode, but hasn't really changed at this point. And so we wanted to just make everybody aware. Links to their Instagram account are in the podcast show notes. And the other link in there that, that they mentioned, uh, they kind of throw it out really quick. You hear them mention the name Fight Boring Marriages. And Fight Boring Marriages is another Instagram account. And actually, people we had on the show, 
way, 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 way back on episode 39, which by the way, they're due for a, they're due for a, they an oil change. They so <laughs> we'll bring them back in. But uh, that is who they're talking about. Links to their Instagram is is uh, in the show notes as well. So we just wanted to clarify that for anybody who was confused at what that was. And with that, for anyone who's a premium subscriber, we're going to jump right into the interview with Sarah and George now. And for anyone else, we will go through a couple of announcements. First announcement is, if you don't want to hear these announcements, you can sign up for the premium subscription. It's a couple of bucks a month. You can find more information on our homepage at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Scroll down towards the bottom. You'll see right there how to join. And that lets you skip all of our announcements up front. But do not worry. We will still tell you all of the important dates for stuff like virtual meet and greets, in-person events, and on and on in the outro. Yes. Next up, we had a really amazing, super fun virtual meet and greet this past weekend. And we have another one coming up in January. So we're telling you about it now. Mark your calendars for January 26th and come and join us for our next virtual meet and greet. Yeah, we will see you there. And just a huge thank you to everybody who joined us over the weekend for the one on Saturday night. We had a great time. We did. Yeah. Next up is our virtual community. Maybe you don't want to wait until January 26th to meet some new amazing people. Well, good news. There is a whole bunch of us, almost 300 of us, who hang out in an online community all day, every day, supporting one another. We do virtual Q&A calls once a month. We also have a men's group. We have a women's group. And we are constantly working to improve the support and community there. So we would love to have you join us for more information on how to do that. You can head over to our website, again, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the community tab and you'll see information there. We also are doing an in-person community retreat in January coming up just next month, January 12th through the 14th in Atlanta, Georgia. This will be for community members only, but you can still join in in the next few weeks. Join the community. Come join us in Atlanta and get on the RSVP list. Yeah, we would love to have you. It's going to be a great time. We've just got a few days of great community building activities. Nothing super crazy. And it's just, it's just gonna be a good time. It's gonna be chill and fun. Chill and fun. Yes. Last but not least, also while you're on your website, on your website, on our website, go over to the resources tab, check out our favorite way to get tested for STIs. That is stdcheck.com. By using the links on our website, you support the podcast. Thank you very much in advance. And you also receive a discount making a 10 panel test only $129. Yeah, I think this, if if ever there is a great gift for your polycule, your friends with benefits, or your just benefits. An STI test. Yeah, I'd say get them out. I hand them out all year, <laughs> but primarily around the holidays. Yes. And with that. They fit right in your stocking. They're a great <laughs> stocking stuffer. It's for all the family. For all the family. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Here you go, mom and dad. Any- Grandma, grandpa, no problem. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> also a quick reminder, reach out to us, send us a voicemail, send us an email. We would love to hear from you if you'd like to come on the podcast or if you have any questions for us, send us an email. We would love to hear from you. And with that, we will go and talk to Sarah and George. Well, welcome back to the podcast, Sam and Alice. It's really wonderful to see you again. I know we last talked about two and a half years ago, uh, so it's awesome to see you both, and I'm excited to dive in. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. Yeah. Yeah. Do you two mind starting us off? Well, introductions again about who you are so we can catch people up a little bit, but also 
we are doing a name change today. So maybe we should talk about that briefly before we move forward. So everybody's on the same page. Yeah. So last time we did the episode, we used uh, not our real names. Uh, we used uh, Sam and Alice, but our real names are, are George and Sarah. So we're going to be using George and Sarah through the rest of the podcast. Perfect. And uh, we just felt like we're at a point where we don't need to uh, be as anonymous. So we're pretty comfortable where we're at. We've gone through a lot in the last two and a half years. So that's kind of why we want to come back and share a little more about how things have gone. Awesome. Well, we will do our best to switch. We, we train ourselves really well to, <laughs> to stay with the pseudonym. So if <laughs> so now people just have to be ready for any of it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Any, of the, any, of, any of the names. <laughs> well, then welcome back to the show, George and Sarah. We're excited to have you. Mm-hmm. Do you mind you know, introducing yourselves and then maybe a quick high level that takes us to roughly March of 2021 when we last talked? Sure. I'm Sarah. I have been non-monogamous since 2013, I would say. Met George in late 2016. Started dating early 2017. Introduced him to this world we are now living in. (laughs) We've been living together for almost seven years. So coming on up Mm -hmm. and still just continuing on this journey and just has continued to solidify that it's been the right choice for us in, in being this way. Yeah. Uh, it was my first entry into non-monogamy when I first started dating Sarah and, uh, the first date actually we went on, she made it really clear that, um, if we were to continue dating, it would be a non-monogamous relationship. And that was completely brand new for me. So, my trajectory to going from serial relationships, serial monogamy into this different world was, uh, was terrifying, exciting, but something I kind of really, um, relished as far as the challenge is concerned. And, uh, we went through a lot. And I think on the previous podcast, we kind of described our trajectory and a lot of things we went through very quickly and learned. And since then, uh, we've, we've, we've evolved, you know, it's not been as much of a, a rocket ship, Mm -hmm. you know, out to outer space trajectory, but it's been really, really healthy stuff that we've gone through, you know, not always perfect, but, um, I think we've, we've learned a lot. And, um, part of the reason we wanted to come back and share more of our story is that we've gotten involved in different things and evolved our relationship. Uh, Burning Man has become a big part of our lives too. So we wanted to share a little bit about that and why it's, it's a great fit for, um, our, uh, types of people we like to be around and kind of things we like to do. So uh, we wanted to share some of that. Awesome. I love it. And I think too, that sort of trajectory, right? Where you first jump into this. And if you, I think this is true with most things that we're learning, right? If you don't know anything to get to like a base level of functionality, it is a steep, it's like super steep. It's probably super clunky, lots of mistakes. And then you almost kind of level off and you're like, okay, we, we still don't know what the hell we're doing, but like we at least got a lot of the bumps and bruises out of the way, and now we're like fine tuning it. Is that is that sort of the the last two years have been that fine tuning? It is. Yeah. And I notice when I go to events in the community and I talk to other people, they consider us more sometimes veterans, mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily consider myself a veteran because I feel like there's always still things to learn and and all of that. So that's a little bit hard to grasp that like, oh, I've been in this long enough that I guess I'm considered experienced at this point, <laughs> even though I don't always feel like it. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, the one thing that's changed since the other uh, episode we did was we were both like firmly poly now. You know, I think before we were trying to figure it out if um, dating or finding somebody else and everything was still pretty new to us. And I think even our mindset um, around that time was like, we weren't even sure if poly was the right thing for us. We didn't fully like immerse ourselves into it either. You know, we would date, uh, we would go, I think, more together to events and stuff like that, figure that out, you know, go to sex clubs or socials and whatnot, but as a couple. And then um, as kind of time went on, we really sort of saw the, uh, I guess you could say the value, right? And the joy of it, of being able to have multiple re- loving relationships and being able to, um, I guess in a way, you know, both have us as primary partners, but also have other partners where uh, we could explore different areas of, uh, of our lives and, and love and, and love in different ways. And, and that's kind of the coolest thing that's come out of all this is that we realize that we can love people differently, and have a different kind of love with other people, and it all be okay. And it'll all be welcome and accepted. And that kind of lets us grow in different ways too, right? That lets us to continue to grow too. So that's kind of what's happened. And we can, I can just go dive yeah. into a few stories and things that we've gone through in that. Yeah, yeah. we've worked more on our autonomy yeah. of just me being able to choose what I feel is right for me at whatever point I'm at in my life. Mm-hmm. And George is able to choose what he feels is right for him. And we don't need to consult on that. I mean, of course, we communicate about what is going on, but I don't need to just be like, oh, hey, I feel like this is what I want to do. If it's something I feel like I want to do, then I just take the confidence in myself to pursue that. Yeah, it's something we actually consciously worked on starting about a little over a year ago, where we, uh, I was more, uh, I guess you could say more poly than Sarah was mm-hmm. at that point, in a sense that I had somebody else that I was seeing um, on occasion and still see a, a very close and dear friend. And, um, but it's, uh, it's more about schedules and timing and priorities in life, right? How, how, how we can see other people. So, mm-hmm. um, Oh yeah. But I think the, um, kind of the important note that came out of our, our conscious effort to become more autonomous was that there were certain things that I had to work on to, to feel that way, to feel like I could date, you know, freely and same thing with Sarah. And so, you know, for me, it was always about relationships. It was always about um, feeling very comfortable with somebody, a very slower, a much slower process and, and feeling emotionally connected to somebody before I could date and, and even get involved sexually. And I actually made it an effort to jump on dating sites, go on dates, have more casual sex. And uh, I don't know if it was successful or not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I would measure, to measure that, but um, it did give me a little more confidence. But it, what I think it really did though, was that it kind of prepared us, um, to, um, have different independent lives, I guess, around when it came to dating, like she could jump on an app anytime she wanted to and and find somebody. She's like, Hey, I found somebody I'm going to go on a date. And it didn't have to be this back and forth process, you know, of, of figuring out, is it the right thing for her? Is it, you know, how do I feel about that setting boundaries in a lot of ways, actually, we, we don't have a ton of boundaries anymore. You know, we've, we've given each other the, the space to, choose and and so i think that's what we sort of realized needed to happen for us to feel more autonomous is it wasn't so much just saying yeah you can go date it was actually having physically um more space and not being around each other so much Mm -hmm. um so that 
led right into what happened in at the beginning of 2023 this year. I took a job overseas. Um, I've worked over overseas before um, in the Middle East, and and um, so I took another job, and that was gonna that was gonna take me pretty much this entire year. I was gonna be in the Middle East, so we kind of set ourselves up for that. And something very interesting kind of happened. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of fun the first few months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like oh wow, okay. She's like, that's kind of easy for her. <laughs> I know Sarah really took to this autonomy thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> She's kind of busy. <laughs> and me, you know, I'm just working. And, uh, but, um, uh, I think it was really healthy though. You know, it was, it wasn't necessarily easy, but it was healthy, you know? And I think that's kind of the important thing too, for people who are, are starting to figure things out in this world, right? That, um, uncomfortableness, um, a little bit of stress, a little bit of concern, um, isn't necessarily bad, right? It's healthy to, to work through those things. And, um, and we always had good commit. We've always had good communication and, and our foundation for communication has always been that we have a place to always come back to, um, if we're struggling, like if we're either it's an argument or we've had a disagreement or we've gone through a rough patch of something, we always have a place that we can come back to just her and I, and it's kind of, it's our safe space, if you will. And it's, it's in bed, but it's, we make sure we face each other and, it's it's always been a place that we can talk and be sincere and be honest and t- have tears and whatnot and and work through our things and 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 by having that that's our that's our bedrock you know and we can we feel like we can work through anything you know it's scary and it sucks there's definitely days where things don't go well and and you know we go through a rough patch yeah but I still tell people that the non-monogamy part is still easier than the kids and finances yeah like the yeah. Those are still the harder conversations than yeah, right. I know. <laughs> than the non-monogamy. Yeah, and <laughs> or the bigger stressors. I know because we we really did start out our relationship with a foundation of having a good communication, you know, from the start, and really being honest and and digging into a lot of our insecurities and fears and talking about them. You know, I made it, and I think I shared this on the their earlier podcast, but you know, I had a lot of and still have a lot of insecurities, but she was the first person ever that I could, I really sort of dug into them and really investigate them and put them on paper. Literally, I wrote emails about them, you know, what are they and, and shared them. It was the first time I'd ever shared anything like that. And it was scary. It was tremendously scary, but I knew I had to do it. I knew that, uh, in order for our relationship to work, um, I had to do that. And, you know, um, she gave me the confidence to do that though. She was the first person I ever felt like emotionally safe with. And I think that having that foundation from the start of a relationship is, is why I think we've flourished so well you know, in this space. And, and I think it shows too. We've, we've made so many amazing friends along our journey in this, I guess, relatively short period of time, right? Seven years now, but it's, it's still meeting people. Yeah. And still, and then we're still open to meeting people. And that kind of leads into what, Kind of other things we do today, right? We're kind of now that we're, I don't know, I don't know if we're experts or not, but but we kind of willing <laughs> people under our wing, you know, and um, who might be a little newer in their journey or yeah, yeah. And we, it's never any pressure or anything, but it's just we just like to be open with them and say, hey, if you really have questions about stuff or you want to just have somebody we, just to hang out with, just to talk about things and talk about how things are going, like we're here too, you know. Yes. Uh, would call it therapy, but it's just no. no, it's just a safe space for them to operate too. 
Well, I think it's, it's super powerful because there's so much in this world that it's, I think when we first get into it, you think, well, if somebody's talking to me, it's because they have an angle, right? They've mm-hmm. Somebody's got to be angling for something. Right. And to be able to land there and say, hey, no, you could come over. Literally, all we're going to do is sit outside by whatever, by the fire and have dinner and talk, right? There's no pressure. And this is what it can be. This is what being able to be yourself looks like. And being able to hold that container and... and friendship. Friendship. It's, it's, it's friendship. Yeah. 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 And I think that we, we really value that, the relationships we have, uh, the friends that we have, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. I say relationships, but, you know, because we've uh, been doing this a little while, like our, our idea of friendships aren't just in this traditional box of friendships, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's open to any degree of depth. I mean, there's mm-hmm. sometimes more things happen, and most often they don't. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> Right. <laughs> but it's not taboo if it did, or the conversation right. came up, or somebody could say, hey, I'm interested in this, and somebody else can say, that's amazing, but maybe not today, or I'm not that interested in, but the communication and the the, the ability to talk about it is there. Yeah, exactly. And and again, it's a it's an emotionally safe place, mm-hmm. right? Socially, right? And that's a huge difference, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I think anybody who's gone through this um, evolution, I guess you could say that, that they went from traditional relationships and friendships and whatnot and conversations. And then they, then they come into the realm of non-monogamy or anything else on, I guess, on the full like spectrum of whether it's kink or whether it's uh, anything non-traditional, you really realize the value of having a safe space, right. And people you can, who you can talk with about anything, right. Um, because it lets you explore things too, and, and talk about the kind of um, challenges and, and joys that we we find through this too, or even going to events or mm-hmm. we vacation with groups of our friends oh, yeah. a couple of times now, where we'll end up at like a kink event with a group of us, and yeah, you know, and so it's just being able to have people to go and do those things with mm-hmm. when there's no expectation of anything happening, but other than to be somewhere together and hang out, yeah. So, like we, um, well, so we, um, COVID, yeah, COVID, uh, I think, uh, I'm trying to think of the exact timing. Um, we went, so we went on a trip, um, simple story, right? We went on a vacation, um, right at the end of COVID, at the end of COVID, which was, well, let's call it May of 2022. I don't even know anymore. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, right when the world opened back up. <laughs> yeah, right when the world back opened back up. Uh, but, uh, well, so, so like, it was funny because like, so our friends, uh, fight boring marriages, you know, we referenced them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, uh, we, at some point during COVID were like, man, we, do you guys want to go on a vacation? Like once COVID's over, like, cause everybody's cooped up, everybody's in their house. I'm like, yeah, where should we go? I'm like, how about Greece? And they're like, yeah, fuck yeah. Let's go to Greece. And it's like, well, when should we go? And at that time, when we started talking, it was September of 2021, I guess. Yeah. 2020. 2020? Oh yeah, 2020. Um, the, the news started to come out that vaccines were being developed, right? And so there was some hope that there's going to be vaccines going to be rolled out through winter and, and spring. So we planned a trip and we planned it for May of 2020. Must have been growing. Yeah. Yeah. And 2021, correct. Yeah. And so we planned it at the end of May. We thought, okay, by that time, either the world's going to end or we got, you know, we're going to be able to travel like pretty big. So um, <laughs> little did you know. We, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, 
<laughs> it wasn't quite that. It was kind of neither. It was kind of right in the middle. <laughs> couldn't, we couldn't figure it out. Yeah. But anyway, so we planned this trip like eight months in advance and we started contacting some of our friends and we ended up uh, getting like six different couples actually to go on this trip. And, and everybody was on a, on the, the spectrum of non-monogamy somewhere, somewhere in there, you know, from people who are like heavily much more into swinging and other people who are poly, other people were just kind of just dipping their toes in, you know, but it was all people who uh, were close with though too as well. Right. And, and amazingly enough, it's, it's an interesting thing to travel with other people, right? With travel with friends. It's one of the, the toughest tricks. Um, mm-hmm. And coming out of COVID, we had no idea how this was all going to go, right? And, and as we started, as the, as May started to get closer and closer, everything was still closed. Um, uh, and so we had no idea what was going to happen. And then literally two weeks before uh, our, we left for, to get on our flight, they opened up Greece. Greece said, okay. Greece is back open to tourism. So we ended up in, in Athens and then Santorini and Mykonos. And we got great deals. We got great deals. <laughs> there was nobody there. It was like the most amazing thing that, that happened out of that. But, but truly, like, I mean, that was kind of the backdrop. But what was really, really cool about the whole thing was just the, the attitude of everybody. You know, everybody had just a great positive attitude. And part of it was probably just because we're coming out of COVID, but also like the quality of the people that we were with. And then, and that's, Kind of the moral of the story is that through this, we've met incredible people, like just wonderful, genuine, honest, um, fun people. And this vacation was, it was simply just like amazing in that I think just being in a household of other people, other adults who care for each other, who are considerate, who are honest, it just makes a very, very different environment for vacationing yeah, and i think the one of the funnest moments of that and the funniest also is we did one of those catamaran cruises and since there were 12 of us we got the whole thing to ourselves oh yeah and so we asked the crew we're like can we do anything we want and they're like yeah you can do anything you want i'm like are you sure before you tell this group of people <laughs> <laughs> we can do anything you really mean anything yeah so it's like it turned into a naked cruise oh, yeah. <laughs> and we were just like oh my god yeah. I, I'm not sure that they were quite ready for all of that, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what else can you want when you're in well, we did ask, like, the, Yeah. We asked the, uh, what was she? She's the, the, the captain, captain, I guess so. Yeah. And she said, yeah, sure. We're Greek, whatever. We don't care. You know? <laughs> so one girl's like, it's my first day. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, okay. Well, every single catamaran cruise is going to be just like this. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say it's 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 all easy yeah. from here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So skinny dipping in the Aegean Sea was something else. Highly recommended. Yeah. Highly yeah. Recommend. yeah. Sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I think so. So much of your journey, the last time we talked too, is just around community and building community, and it's small groups sometimes they're bigger groups sometimes it's just the two of you and another couple or another person but it's so much just about like the genuine connection and and i think george you kind of touched on that um a few times around the safety and the security to explore who you are and it sounds like you went through a little bit of that uh self actualization self-realization earlier it sounded like earlier this year where like getting on apps and trying to hook up with people that maybe isn't your vibe that, but you almost had to live it to know it. Right. To say like, 
okay, I went and tried it. I even made it happen a few times, but like, it's not me. It's not what I want versus oh, yeah. Yeah, I can do it. And it's maybe a little fills her cup up a little more, but now you're both looking at a thing, a thing that sits under the umbrella of non-monogamy and you're saying, but my flavor looks like this and your flavor looks like this. Can our mm-hmm. two flavors, can we, can we swirl them together in a cone? I guess is yeah. the, the trick. That's a great observation. I like, I like the way you put that. Cause it's, yeah, nice job. I should do this for a living. You can work. You need like a, a word for something or a phrase for something. We'll hit you up. That's right. Yeah, it's it's the bane of Emma's existence some days, but I but I can I can create them. <laughs> He's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. no comment. Well, that's great. But it, 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 that's a great point because it's kind of what we it is what we realized after coming out of that. And I think the fact that I was physically not home for months, right, really helped this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, the earlier this year, yes, yeah, um, 2023. I was halfway around the world. Right. And so we couldn't even, we weren't even on the same time schedules. It was very difficult to even connect, right? Because we were 12 hours difference. Yeah. I think the most challenging piece of it was aftercare because aftercare yeah. was going to look different. Yeah. When we were in 12 yeah. hour different time zones and yeah. our aftercare usually is in person. So we had to fit, navigate in different ways to do aftercare. We've since learned, I mean, we need a little less aftercare most of the time than we used to need earlier on. So it's just, I think that's been one of the bigger changes mm-hmm. too. And and just for people who might not be familiar, when you say aftercare, you mean like after one of you has an experience with somebody else, like how you two come back together and talk about that. Yeah. And how we reconnect with each yeah. other. Yeah. But it's a, it's a great point though, just to, um, it's become essential for us, right. To, to make sure we do that, even though we don't, well, I should take that back. It's essential to talk about it beforehand. Mm-hmm. Right. And understand that, uh, that it's there and available for us to do because the reconnection is the big part, especially as we, I guess, guide new people. We, we stress it highly to at least talk about it and, and understand what we need after the fact. And it's not just for the person who went through the experience with somebody else. It's for the other person too, who, who didn't. Right. And to make sure that they feel connected afterwards. Yeah. And there's times where we'll have a discussion before and we're not feeling like we need the same level as we might on a different occasion. Mm-hmm. So it varies a lot more where in the beginning it was more consistent than it was a hundred percent always a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So but it sounds like even, even as you've arrived at a little more security around it, you still don't take it for granted and say, you, you still check in before the experience and say, what do we need after this experience? Even if it's, if the answer is like, eh, I don't need anything, just the touch point helps create that feeling that like it mattered yeah. enough to talk about it. Just not to assume that just yep. because we have more autonomy that the aftercare no longer needs to exist. Yeah. Right. No, it's yeah. Or that you're in a vacuum somehow. Yeah. Right. And to that, um, I know that, um, well, let's see the, you know, as Sarah was going on a lot more dates, I was like, oh, okay. Well, huh. I didn't think it was going to happen that fast. Um, and at the time she was also a singer therapist too. And part of it, I think, uh, well, well, I don't think it's the truth, but therapist said, you're like, it looks like you're doing pretty good there, Sarah. I don't know if you need to come in as much for, <laughs> for what's going on. Uh, it might be actually harder for George to adjust, right? Into the fact that she's going on a lot more dates and she's having a lot more, um, uh, call it success, right? 
but she was really enjoying herself and she was really, her confidence was really building up from that experience. And I think that was super important for her. For me, however, I struggled a bit through that because it was so rapid because, uh, I, yeah, for me, dating apps are this terrible, like meeting a lot of new people through apps. It, it just doesn't happen for me as much, you know, for whatever reason, you know, where I have fun with it. Yeah. 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 Um, and well, there's differences between males and females and physical appearance, everything. It, it all matters, even though we like to think it may not, it shouldn't matter if it does. So, uh, so you're right. My mode and, and comfort is much more in person meeting people, uh, than through mm-hmm. apps. So part of that, and the reason why, um, I'm not in the Middle East anymore was that about, was it April, end of April, May or so, there was a lot of things going on, uh, emotionally for me, like personally for me. But that was one of the pieces of the pie was realizing that I was really kind of missing her. And then I was getting a little insecure about the whole thing too, right? Like, oh, well, on the dating side, she doesn't really need me. <laughs> She's doing fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was, you know, two, three, four different guys at a time, like as far, not at a time. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, although. Sound like that whole, <laughs> it sounds like a whole gang bang. Yeah. No, uh, different <laughs> dates. So she, her calendar was full. And when I wasn't there, and actually her calendar is a lot more full when I'm not home, which is fun, but not always funny. <laughs> but, uh, but that was an adjustment for me. And part of, so part of it was, was I actually wanted to come home. And I wanted to make sure we reconnected because we had mentioned aftercare. It was kind of like the big like collection of aftercare that I needed uh, to reconnect. And, and even a few times, um, you know, she would come out and visit. Like she came out to the Middle East on a long weekend. Um, with some friends and, and honestly, we didn't really, I didn't feel like we fully reconnected when she came out. It, it wasn't like that same sort of deep reconnection. And so that worried me a little bit that we didn't have it at that time. So, and frankly, I reprioritized things. I ended up quitting my job. Um, and, and I, and it was a great situation too. I was, I was actually able to live in, um, Spain and work from Spain on a remote tech job, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see your wow. face. <laughs> can't see the faces on the podcast, but yeah, I know. I was living in Barcelona. So there's a job opening is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, and everything was fine on on the surface of things, but it, but emotionally, I was like, my best life is back with Sarah. And and the fact that I was foregoing it for money for a job, and then and do I really need to work for that? It's like, oh, I didn't. So, you know, it it... It's, um, it's really actually gratifying to know that I can reprioritize my life for that and that it's so much more important than, I mean, jobs are obviously we need, we need to make a living. We need, you know, we need to survive, but, um, but when we have the moments to make those decisions and, and, and because I could, um, it was, it was a big deal for me, you know, to walk away from that job. I literally fired my employer, you know, I laid them off. <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of felt yeah. it. Nothing against my employer. It wasn't. It had nothing to do with it. But I think it's the same thing. Where, you know, it, if we really dig down deep and and um, have these kind of depth of relationships and, and connections, um, prioritization comes easier to to do things that don't seem as like most people would do. You know, there's a lot of surprise that I just walked away from a job like that, um, just to have a I think back into a better life that I wanted. So, yeah. That's amazing. Do you, do you feel, like it, feel like it's better since you've been back? Of course. <laughs> of course it's better. Yeah. 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 
I'd love to unpack that a little more, but I'm curious, Sarah, your your experience going through all of this. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, right, the therapist's like, hey, Sarah, you're cruising. No big deal. But I'm curious, like, what what was actually going on for Sarah during this time? I mean, it's, it is different when he's gone. And I think just because I'm taking care of more things on my own, you know, the kids are with us full time. And so I don't have to worry about, I have a lot of different directions in where my time and energy has to go. And so sometimes it's easier when he's not around to try to, it's like to in the priority, the priorities. And so I have more things going on in more baskets and we always have a, anytime he's gone or any length of time, well, other than a couple of days, it's like the readjustment period. It's always a little challenging. You know, it's always like a week or two of, of readjusting to having him back in the house or longer. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It's last time it took a little longer. And then when I came back, Um, so it's like, it's always just kind of like that readjustment period of, you know, getting our lives back into the homeostasis of, Mm -hmm. of being back together again, Mm -hmm. seems to be the most challenging part of it. Mm -hmm. So I, I seem to, you do do well either when he's here or he's gone. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the most challenging part are those those transition times. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I've thought an observation that um, what I noticed, um, and I think the easy conclusion is that when you actually give somebody like we'll call it physical space, but the fact that I wasn't here and full time, and knowing that I was somewhere else, lets her not worry about how things might go when she comes home, right after a date. Right. And by having mm-hmm. that freedom, you're, I mean, it's back to like the single dating life mentality. Right. Like, and, and because of that, you just feel a lot freer to, um, you know, it's, I'm not on your mind. And that's a good thing. Yeah. It's, it's one less person in the house to navigate, you know, emotionally in time. Well, yeah. And you're not going to talk about your, the dates with your kids. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> you know, so it's your personal experience. It's much more personal for you to, I guess you could say like, you know, have, have your dates and, and, and not worry about me. And, and so that, uh, makes me think that if the more I can create that room for her, whether I'm physically around her or not, the better, because she's just going to enjoy it more. She's just going to feel less, um, worried about, um, you know, what might happen or how I might react or if things, if we're going to have a little conflict or making me feel bad or whatever it is. Right. We all naturally, I think, feel that way to an extent. And we worry about that. And the less she can worry about it, the more she, I think fun she's going to have with it. You can enjoy it. So, And we try to just not even ask permission. You know, the whole shared calendar thing, we'll just put on the calendar, date with so-and-so. And it pops up on his schedule and be like, oh, she's mm-hmm. got a date that night. Or mm-hmm. he'll put his on there, date on there and be like, oh, he's got a date that day. So we try to even handle it at that where it's not checking in. Like, oh, is it okay if I do this? It's like, we just schedule it and... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Work work around the shared calendar. Right. Every every poly yeah. person's favorite thing. Yeah, yeah I mean a, a couple of thoughts or or curiosities in there. One one is or maybe an observation is that when when Sarah comes home and and you're let's say you're overseas, George, that it's I hear that like that's one less thing she has to worry about. But I also feel I mean maybe I'm wrong, but there's still, you still have to quote unquote deal with it. Right. But you're not maybe dealing with it in the moment in person 
five minutes after the date, you know, uh, he's going to be, or maybe he's waking up, right? You come home at midnight, he's in the middle of his work day or something like that. And you know, like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to wake up and we're going to talk about this at a different time. It's not that it just doesn't happen or it's just not a worry, but it's, it's a different level that you, it wasn't, oh, you came home seven minutes later than you said you would. And that's throws a little bit of the vibe off that it's not a big deal, but it's, everyone's on a little edge. Like there's just different, there is just a difference whether you're there or not. Yeah. It was more of like a a text, you know, and then we would talk later, but we're also really good about when we are on dates with other people of being very present in those Mm -hmm. dates. Like our phones will be off. We don't check in with each other. So, Mm -hmm. cause you know, your time is limited when Mm -hmm. you're, when you have other partners. And so you might only spend three or four hours a week, maybe with someone else. So I know we are very intentional about in that time with other people of being 100% present and, mm-hmm. you know, um, letting each other have that time in that space and to like not interrupt and know that, you know, that we're going to see each other when it's over and we live together. So we've got mm-hmm. so much more time together. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Which, which is sort of the, the second part of the question for me is how, when, let's say you kind of said you're not checking in like, hey, does Thursday work for you if I go out? Was there anything? You kind of look at the calendar. How do you two, through that methodology, make sure you are making enough time for the two of you and you're keeping the time that you two need for you? Do you revisit it? Do you block it off? Like, what does that look like? That was going to be my question too. I think it varies. And lately we have just enough stuff going on, like travel or get togethers or or Mm -hmm. things going on that we are spending enough time together. But if it ever does get too chaotic, then we will even schedule our own date and put it on the calendar. So Mm -hmm. um, it, things get revisited depending on where things are in life at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, we'll either make sure to schedule a date or like I said, we've got enough going on that we're just spending time doing a lot of things lately. Yeah. I mean, I like a social calendar, but as far as just one-on-one, me and Sarah, we, at one point we put on like a recurring thing, right? Like and it had, never happened. It never happened. Like we stuck at time and like every Sunday, uh, I don't know, we'd go out and like have date night, right? Every Sunday thing. Never happened. Never happened. <laughs> I don't know. Why didn't, why didn't it happen? Because somebody else that you were seeing at the time, that was the time that they were available and you were spending oh, time. Oh, well, okay. um, oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, so it's not a foolproof system. It's got, it's got some, some nuances to it. Intention <laughs> <laughs> is there. Uh, you know, that's what this is all about, right? Going with intentions never works out. But, you know, well, I mean, I love that you say that, though, because that's that's the reality, right? You're you're veterans. You you proclaimed that early on, I know, in jest, but you're veterans, right, of doing this. It's still not perfect. We still oh, yeah. have yeah. things that don't go according to plan. No, I think but I think that's it. That's absolutely the truth. You, you go in with intention. You go in with the right heart behind things. And, and that's such a, a better way about it. Right. Just knowing that we're on the same page going into things and we don't know exactly how they're going to turn out, right? You know, we've both gone through different partners, like things have you know, been busy and then all of a sudden not so busy as things end, you know, come and go. But it doesn't, it doesn't affect our relationship per se, other than just a lot of reaffirmation that we're, we're mm-hmm. 
we're still having a lot of fun. You know, it's the, the, the coolest thing about this of where we're at, especially with autonomy is that, you know, we're, we're both in a committed relationship to each other, but yet we're also single, right? You get to both be in, in a committed relationship and be single at the exact same time. You know, mm-hmm. how cool is that? Right? You can pick and choose. So. And it's only been about the last year and a half that I've been more solo dating with intention of trying to find connected relationships. So that's been newer for me since we last met where I was just more of like casual situational things might happen. So I've been putting more intent in um, trying to find people today or connect with people. And it's always a little scary because it's like you go on a couple of dates and you don't want to like get too excited or too hopeful. And so, um, you know, still some of the navigating that when going out with someone new because it's like you go out a couple of times and think you're really connected and then it ends and you're like ah thought that was going so well mm-hmm. and then you're like, sounds like traditional dating yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean yeah. it really is yeah. in the same way I just am lucky enough that I have someone that I still come home to and I tell people and even when I'm dating I'm like I don't have to like everything about you I'm like we're not ever going to live together so it's like if you have habits that bother me, I they don't need to bother me. Like I, mm-hmm. in somebody that I was looking for in like a life partner or even in monogamy, I think you're looking for all of these boxes to be checked. And when you're dating in poly, like I don't need all of those boxes to be checked. Like mm-hmm. you don't need to check that box, and you, that's not something that I think that I would like in my life. That's fine. I don't need to like that because you're not. Like, like I say, we're not going to live together. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, yeah. it also, I think in some ways, and correct me if I'm wrong for the two of you, but it also lets you stop having to check all of those boxes for each other. Even if you are living together, maybe you have to check different ones or maybe some more of them, but it does release the, you don't have to do 100% of the boxes on my list because I can go get, yeah, maybe this other person does something that's really annoying and bothers the hell out of you, but you're like, but I get a different box checked there and I can ignore all of the boxes that aren't checked because that's just what it is for me. And they are good with it. I'm good with it. Everybody's good with it. Party on. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Sarah has a favorite expression. Um, like she likes to outsource things. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like if there are sexual tasks that I find a little more laboring, I am more than happy to outsource. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's like, fine with me. Okay, cool. (laughs) You like to do that? Go for it, it, girl. Go for it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Well, I think what's what I what I love about this, and we've we've talked a lot about it in the sense of relationships, but autonomy showed up in a big way for you two in the last bit outside of that. And that is, I mean, George going to work overseas for a couple of months potentially for a whole year that is a level of autonomy support and and work that that a relationship has to do to be able to make that happen and so i i know that we're we it's it's easy to tilt the scale and say well george supports sarah going on all these dates five guys at the same time same night i'm just i I know that wasn't exactly how it was but right (laughs) you're supporting all of these things but also George, you have the support to go and work overseas and live in Spain and have those experiences and do that. And the two of you had to craft a way 
that you could do that. And you went and did that experience and you did it for a couple months and you're like, yeah, tried it, cashing in my chips, coming home. Cause that's not for me. And you've created a space where you have the autonomy to go and try it and the autonomy to come back home. She has the autonomy to go out, come yeah. home. And you just can have this home base where you just go out and do life, but you're also doing it together. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the key that, um, we realized when we started the relationship that we built it from scratch, right? We, we mm-hmm. built it from these building blocks of being open and honest about these things and that we were going to uh, struggle together too and grow together. And I think that's what's been really exciting about our relationship is that we still continue to grow, right? And we still find ways to grow, different ways to grow, and things are going to evolve over time too. Um, there's going to be, you know, we're, we have... Plans like once the, the kids are old enough, we're going to maybe live in different places too, live overseas. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, who knows, you know, but I think we're, yeah. we're prepared to sort of choose what we want to do and however that turns out. And, and that's the, that's the part that gives us a lot of comfort with each other is that we've, because we started our relationship growing together, we, we have a, a strong base for getting through things now. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to need yeah. a remote job. So if anybody out there. <laughs> I'm available. <laughs> I'm also curious, yeah, you know, if you're open to talking about a little bit how you na- how you navigate it with kids. I imagine a lot of people have that question of how do you do this? It's um I've only had one person over our entire relationship. Because <laughs> I've only had the house to myself that one opportunity. So it's a little more challenging sometimes not being able to ever have people at the house. Kids are now 21 and 16. Um, we are, we've discussed and we're at a point where if things come up in conversation or an opportunity presents itself, that we will have that conversation with them and come out to them just because they're, they're getting older and sometimes things get a little more suspect. Like, where are you going when you go out all the time? Especially like when he's mm-hmm. around, like he's gone and mom's out three nights a week. <laughs> um, I think there, I think there's a little suspicion going on. Mm-hmm. So, working on, we might be navigating that a little bit differently going forward. Shortly, yeah, we don't have yeah. a plan. Yeah, I mean, that's the truth. We don't have a plan. <laughs> yeah. We don't have a plan, but we're, I mean, we're a liberal home, and there's discussions about all things alternative um, in the house and with the kids. So, I don't think it would be too shocking to them to find out mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah and and it's not it's not that we're overly concealing anything we're just sort of discreet about stuff that's all you know yeah so i mean as far as even like friends and co-workers and some family you know they all mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah so um i mean it I guess I go back to my statement, like, we don't have a plan. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But it sounds like, I mean, there's a lot of people in your life that do know. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. I think, I think well, what we also do is that we, we trust that when we have to have the conversation, we can have a good, healthy conversation because mm-hmm. the, the bottom line is, is that our hope is that the kids see that we have a healthy relationship. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's not, that doesn't make up our relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. Not the non-monogamy. It's, it's, we're, together we're healthy we communicate we treat each other well we don't argue we don't have these drawn up 
bites or anything like that. And, and I think that provides a different basis for the kids too, right? Because that's not what they saw before. So yeah, like I said, so that's why it doesn't really worry us per se. It's just, we're not proactively <laughs> working on a plan to come up. Them, so. yeah. yeah. Well, it, it sounds like what you two have done is built a foundation that you can, you can pretty much build anything on top of, right? If it's a hard conversation with a child, you're one of your kids, it's a hard conversation with each other. It's taking off for a couple months for a job. It's trying out a new relationship. You've built a container that you say, we can try something hard or we can do something hard. We trust, we trust the system to support it. We trust each other to support it. For sure. And it's a, uh, um, it's actually a very comforting thing, right? Cause it's kind of what you, you work for. You don't, I didn't really realize that's what I was working towards, you know, in, in a relationship and what I was felt like I was missing. Right. No, I don't think either of us did. No. Nah. <laughs> and then once we sort of felt that safety and security and ability to get through things, it's like, Oh, okay. This is what it's really about. Actually. You know, this is really what's why we really feel um, confident to go into new things together as well as in, enjoy our relationship and where we're at. And I, I mean, we had experience too, right? Of going through two divorces and, and learning what not, what we what all, wasn't all working. Mon- all monogamous. Yeah. All monogamous mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's like, that's not working for me. Yeah. Let's try something. Yeah. Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also thank you for everything that you've shared and there's just been, yeah, so many, so many pieces we could keep talking about, but I was curious, I know at the beginning, um, of the conversation, you mentioned the importance of Burning Man mm-hmm. for the two of you. Yep. And I wanted to bring us back to that and give you an opportunity to kind of touch on on that and what what that has meant in your life. We've been to three burns now. Um, we are at a point now where we help with certain parts of organization with um, a theme camp, which happens to be a nudist camp. It's been our second year with them this year. Uh, a nudist camp mostly mostly made up of the queer community. Um, George is probably one of the straightest people in the camp. Um, (laughs) Maybe number two. Maybe number two. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been been a great experience um, helping just like organize and lead that. And we've just found like when you're hanging out with other people who, it seems like anyone who goes to Burning Man is somewhere off of a non off of a traditional path you know there's or they're seeking if they are on a traditional path they're seeking for something else than what the world has told them that they are designed to be on mm-hmm. and so just meeting those people and having those connections and conversations and experiences just you feel like you have a little more faith in humanity in the world mm-hmm. of being able to be around a community of people that will pull together for X amount of days to make things happen out of the goodness of their being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And coming home is always, yeah, it's always pretty rough, you know, and so, and this year's burn with the rain and it was fantastic. Fantastic. But you come home and everyone's like, Oh, wasn't it chaos? And I'm like, no, no, no. Being here is chaos. Like coming back to kids and work and what's <laughs> going on here like mm-hmm. that is chaos and like put me back in the mud yeah um, <laughs> so yeah so uh, 
I take it that you guys, you have not gone to Burning Man, correct? We have not. Do you have any interest in going to Burning Man? Maybe someday, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just, we haven't had the uh, capacity, I guess, yeah. uh, until, you know, up until this point. Well, especially because yeah. you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, right? There's so many people, especially in the community, who go for... Oh, yeah, for there's the, so many people, yeah. yeah. Which is... I think we're the only people in the Bay Area who haven't been. Yeah, as, <laughs> probably. As of this year. Yeah. Maybe my brother, yeah. <laughs> 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 but, uh, so, I mean, what... What was your impression from this year? Like, you know, a lot of stuff happened. I know it was a couple months ago, but there was stuff in the news, right? About the rains and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. But because you also know so many other people who go, you know, what what's your sort of thoughts about it? Like, you guys want to go? And if you can't, I know it's a capacity thing, but is there other things that are holding you back? Um, For me, I'll just say, well, first off, for this year, yeah, the news made it sound like that it was the rains were a really huge deal. And we've heard some in people I've talked to and things that like it really, they just hunkered down and it was still a beautiful time together. Um, And they all really enjoyed it. Um, For me, I think I, I would love to experience it sometime. I'm, um, I have to be mentally in the place to go do that. And I, I think that just with everything else in my life, it's hasn't gotten there yet, but how about you? Yeah, I mean, I think the for, for reflecting on this year's, you know, I read a lot of the news stories, and I think it's one of those where it's hard to know how much of it's sensationalized, how much of it is, because uh, you can write, you can take a picture from any angle and make it look a whole lot of different ways, and you have probably a lot of uh, influencers and people on social media who it, they get a lot more views if they're really struggling out there on the playa, right, and so. To, to know, I think probably also various people had various experiences. And yeah, so I think sure. there's also that. So we've heard some people who are like, yeah, it was how it was so hard. And we've heard people who are like, it was amazing. Everybody banded together and had a great time. And it really showed us what was possible. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, I think probably much like most things, it's individual experiences are, are yeah. vastly different. For mm-hmm. sure. And every year yeah. is hard for a different reason. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah. next year. If it's not the rain, it's the heat. Else that right? makes it hard for yep. everyone. Yep. Yeah. 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 I think for me. Individually or collectively. Yeah. For me, my, my interest is I think as somebody who wants to experience everything in life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would love to experience it at least once. Mm-hmm. I know the way I do things, I would probably experience it once, be like, this is where I belong. I'd probably do it three or four times completely all out and then i would be like and i now need something new to experience Mm -hmm. so i i would love to do it it's again it's a matter of being for me really figuring out how to be smart about when is the right time to be in certain places Mm -hmm. yeah it does take a lot Uh, a lot of it is preparation but that's a lot Mm -hmm. of fun too though like because you you really are looking at nine days um or more because it does for us anyway it takes a full day to just to get there and through the mm-hmm. gate and then onto onto the site because we have to drive from Southern California. And then uh, we, we pick up a friend who usually who comes in with us from San Francisco and, and do that all the coordination, getting through the checkpoint and then finally getting in. And it's 24 hours just to get in. Right. And it's not to scare anybody away. It's just a very tedious process and it's a long, it's a long way to drive. Right. But the, the preparation you do though is, is, you know, you have to look at this from, um, that you're going to be gone from, at least for us, Saturday all the way till the following week's Monday, 
right? So that's mm-hmm. food, that's clothing, that's kind of mentally like you're, you know, you really have to look at it that way. And, and, and so for this year when it rained, people have that, uh, were prepared for, and not to say that it was going to rain, but just, you know, they know it's going to be 10 days, 12 days. And if they're out there for an extra two days, it's not a big deal. Right. And that was just, it was just having the patience to wait out the rain, let the roads dry out and it all dried out within a day too. So, you know, as bad as it looked, it actually ended up being some of the best days out there because traditionally it's really hot, right? It's in, could be in the hundreds with dust storms every day. Like, like or during the day, I can stay out in the sun for like an hour. I was able to walk around for like six hours yeah. during the day and just like see art and just yeah. do so much more because it wasn't a hundred degrees. Yeah. So the big difference between last year's burn and then this year's 2023 was one was definitely the weather. You know, it was uh, horrible dust storms for a couple of days straight and that changes the attitude of a lot of people. It was really hard on a lot of people last year because of that. It was also the first burn after COVID, right? So there's a lot of pent up energy. There was three calendar years between the end of the prior burning man to the new one. So there was a, I think a, even a larger influx of influencers too, right? So it was this different sort of mix of people who were experiencing burning man for the first time. And also people coming in with this different energy to it too. So last year it was, it was a tough burn for a lot of ways. You know, it wasn't just the weather. It was, it was because of the mix of people was different, you know, than in traditional burns. Um, this year it was a lot more low key. They actually had less people. They had almost 10,000 less people. It was nice. Yeah. It was, it didn't seem as frantic. It wasn't as hyper, you know, but the, the one thing that's, uh, it still amazes us is the, the level of like commitment to the art that's there and the depth of the art and, and what, um, people bring to out there and then that they plan the whole entire year to bring just pieces of art, you know, to share with everybody. And that sort of sense of community is we haven't found it anywhere else. And that's what keeps us going back every year um, is, is what people are willing to give personally Mm -hmm. to the event. And, and the people who do that also are people who um, uh, are just very in generally mindful. And that then plays into the sense of, people who are just much more open-minded about things too, right? And, and welcoming and, and non-judgmental. And so you, you end up with a, a temporary city of 80,000 people who are all non-judgmental, accepting, loving, you know, and sharing their, their art and their gifts with everybody. Uh, so, it, and I love to climb it. Yeah. Yeah. You love to climb the art. <laughs> so the, the pieces there are huge for people who, who don't know it's that, uh, you know, the, the art, uh, is usually secure enough for people to, to climb on. <laughs> there's no warning signs. Safety third. Yeah. There's an expression, <laughs> safety third, you know, um, <laughs> not safety first. So for us, it's, you know, parlay that community with us evolving into more of an autonomous and, and poly life. Um, all these components have really sort of landed us into a place that we really um, enjoy the community, right? It's, it feels like home. To us and there is an expression in burning man like when when you meet people everybody says welcome home that's what they say when you get out there and it, it's true you you have a sense of comfort and safety and acceptance that is really hard to match outside of burning man so i think we're we're going to be going for a while you know yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes but um, the plan you know life always goes to plan yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so far yeah. it has. So far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. One yeah. Of the, so one of the, the fun things about our, our Burning Man camp, it's, um, it's a nudist camp, um, primarily gay men, but we have a, um, a theme and it's, uh, it's naked oil wrestling. So yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, three days <laughs> a week, three days a week. Um, we roll up, the the wrestling mat and people oil up and they wrestle. It's competitive. It is. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a, it's an expression of freedom too as well. Right. Uh, where you have no labels, you have no, uh, one of the, one of the key tenets of burning man is it's called decommodification meaning that you don't wear labels. You don't wear things that identify. You don't identify with your clothing, right? And, and nudism is the exact same tenet where when you meet people for the first time and you're completely naked, um, there isn't, you know, you, you don't have the same instant judgments that we kind of naturally do or biases that you have as much, right? And, and meeting people for the first time that way is uh, it's such a more refreshing way and genuine way to meet people. Right. Cause it's not about what you do for a living. It's not about how much money you have. It's not about even about where you live. Right. It's about who you are as a person. And the fact that you're, you have the, the courage to do that and to meet people on that, in that, uh, setting really gives us a, a better, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a different social life. You know, when we have those are the people, that's how we meet people for the first time. And so to, so the camp itself really exemplifies a lot of that too, where it's welcoming. And, and this year, uh, we had so many people just come in from the street, just who want to wrestle. It wasn't even our own camp that was doing the wrestling. It was other people who just came in. They're just dripping off their clothes and oiling up and, and going at it. And it was, it was great. The, in. the crowd were great. It was a yeah. lot more women wrestled this year oh, yeah, too. too. Yeah. We have yeah. the past too. So cool. Yeah. That, so the, if there's any sort of peek into burning man and, and, Sure, there's a lot of things that go on all night, right? There's wild parties. There's every other camp. There's things I'm sure I can't even imagine. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure you can imagine them. But, you know, <laughs> uh, but it, it's but that's the that's the part that we just love is that there's such a variety and acceptance of different ideas and different things. And um, you know, you, you can find a bar, you can find a place to drink, and mm-hmm. there's or you can find an orgy. Yeah, if you want to find an orgy. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of town? <laughs> well. I I love I love so much of this is like the the thread this whole time has been your autonomy and I think one one of the the observations I've had is that the the ability to build community around yourselves your your community because you've done a lot of this through Instagram over the years and and we'll we'll link to your um, account as well because you post a lot of your travels and and how you interact there and that was sort of how we got connected a few years back, but that you've had community, which has allowed you each to, I mean, it seems to me it's allowed you each to be more autonomous because you have more confidence in yourselves that first of all, that you're there for each other, but perhaps if you're not, or if there is a gap that you have community to catch you, right. That you're not just alone on an Island and it's everything rides on each other. It's you, you definitely play a big role in each other's lives, but you you have so much more that is outside of that as well. It is. And we're lucky that we live in an area where there mm-hmm. are local meetups and groups mm-hmm. and a, a larger community than say, you know, I grew up in Indiana. So mm-hmm. where that would probably be a very more difficult place to probably find mm-hmm. some community. I could be wrong. But people that I went to high school with have never even heard the word polyamorous. 
So I'm guessing the community would be a lot harder for me to find if I still live totally. somewhere mm-hmm. there versus, you know, living in California. Yeah. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. As always, I know we could talk for hours, but I guess we want to be respectful of your time as well. Is there anything else that you two want to get out there? And knowing that you will be back. Yeah, of course. We, we have to do a part three at some point. Or, you know. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. Well, one thing that's kind of interesting, kind of I'll talk about like dating apps. Um, and I'm going to, well, I'm, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but so one of the things that Sarah's trying to do is actually date other women too. Right. And it's, she's said it, it's been not odd. as successful. Not as successful. Yeah. It, it's oddly interesting um, that it's a challenge for somebody who's bi female to date other women you know or at least for me plus i'm awkward with women i don't know how to flirt with them as well as i do like men so yeah yeah we're hard women are hard to date yeah in my opinion agreed so this was actually a plug you know, <laughs> any women who want, who want to who want to date sarah you have an instagram handle reach out to her yeah i'm, I'm her best wingman he is he's a great wingman yeah yeah my wingman's are not quite as up the bar. <laughs> yeah. That's actually really, that's my ulterior motive. Yeah. I'm trying to get the <laughs> me a little more, you know? Yeah. Hey, we all, we all, have, yeah. we all have room to grow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, to your point, like dating apps can be really, really difficult mm-hmm. and have their own challenges. They can be really good and amazing in some ways and also incredibly frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, oh, so, oh, so funny. So uh, on that trip that she came out to the middle East earlier this year, she, you turned on. Would you turn on? I'll go on Bumble just to just to peek around and see. I'm in the Middle East. I'm very popular. <laughs> <laughs> but whenever we're out in another country, I just open up Bumble. I'm like, what's out here? Like well, in Croatia, man. Whew, nice choices in that part of it. I'm like, I didn't have time to do anyone, but I like to just see what's available. Like me, <laughs> like trying to like you know, no matches. I'm like, oh, all right, delete that app again. <laughs> <laughs> Like a, I just, I should just accept that dating apps aren't for me, you know, and I, I guess I hold out hope, but I don't know. Well, I think that's the beauty of the autonomy is what works for one doesn't have to work for the other. Mm-hmm. And I know that's been a journey for us of always feeling like if I'm doing it, you have to do it. If you're doing it, I have to do it. Why is what you're doing not working for me? And it's like, we're two very different people with two, like, yes, we are married, Mm-hmm. And yes, we have a lot of similarities, but we're also very different. And so to think that the ways I do things and the way Emma does things are going to work for each other, I think we're finally figuring out that that might not be the case. Mm. As and, much as we, and, you know, we want to have yeah, quality yeah, right? and the best and yeah. our partner going through the same goodness that we get to go through at the same time. It's like the intention yeah. of that is always there. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is, you know, a little more difficult to navigate when it's not. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, yeah, because for you, Sarah, it's like, well, just fire up Bumble and it's going to be amazing. You'll have a great evening just like I did. And it's like, I don't think I will have the same experiences you did. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Nope. Definitely not. So, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, I'm grateful we got to do this again and I look forward to the next time. Yes. Yes. And just thank you both for, I don't know, always being positive. Like, it's such a positive 
approach and positive conversation with you two as always. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you both so much. And I'm definitely excited for the next time too. Yeah. Thanks for having us. And we're back. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah and George, for everything that you shared today and for, again, coming back back on the podcast. We had a lovely time catching back up and can't wait till next time. Also, just thanks for being awesome. Yeah. 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 I think this is, I just, I keep, I keep gushing about it, but I think this is a beautiful conversation and the, the threads of autonomy within non-monogamy while maintaining and building a close connection with a partner are, I think often people see autonomy and connection as mutually exclusive. And I love that this is an example of how they are definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. A quick reminder, you can go and follow Sarah and George on Instagram. Find links in the podcast show notes to do so. Yeah. And I don't think we have a whole lot else to tell you other than there's a virtual meet and greet coming up in the end of January on January 26th. So mark your calendars. Mark your calendars now. Yeah, clear that date. Yeah. Clear that whole week just to prepare. <laughs> just to prepare for that yeah. that Friday night. <laughs> That's right. And again, we'll be in Atlanta from January 12th to the 14th with our community partying it up. We would love to have you join us. There's still time to do that. If you jump onto our website and click on the community tab, you can find out how to join the community and get all of the information there. And with that, next week, we have an interview with Evita. It's another part two episode. She came on back in episode 229. Go and listen to that one in preparation for next week. Otherwise, we will see you then. Yeah, let's do it. We'll see everybody in a week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.